Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. And so we're going to be in Psalm 95, and let's just pray. Let's just pray the Lord opens our hearts and minds to all that he has to say to us this morning. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the unified voice of the church just singing those songs, that you are the way, the truth, the life, and the strength that it brings to us and in our faith. And Lord, we just pray that our hearts and minds would be open to what you have to say to us through your word by the power of your spirit here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, we started preparing pretty early for our Christmas service, and the the choir had been practicing for for over a month, and I was putting together this plan and program for our Christmas Eve service. And, you know, it was always difficult to put on something elaborate over there at the community center where we used to meet as a church there over at Roosevelt Park because we had to set up and tear down every for every single event because the main primary function of our church on Sunday mornings was a basketball court for the rest of the week. So my plan would include... Uh, would include reading the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2, uh, the first 20, 20 verses. And uh, we would, the, the idea was to break up the reading into several languages. Um, I would start in English, my wife would continue in Hungarian, and then we had Ukrainian, and then we finally ended up with Spanish. And the languages would also be displayed up on the screen so people could see the language and hear the language as it was spoken, as it was read. And we had no time, though, to, to really prepare and practice for this. So I just kind of told the readers, hey, bring your language Bibles. And, uh, and I would signal them, you know, when it was time to come up to the microphone. And they would just start to read the, the passages that I assigned them. And, well, praise the Lord. It went well. The Christmas program went well. And this multi-language scripture reading ended up being a very impact, impactful part of the program. People were noticeably moved by what would usually be a very kind of routine rendition of a very familiar story. We all know the Christmas story. And the most common response was how hearing all those languages opened people to the fact that the gospel message, the gospel message was so much bigger than, than we could even imagine. That not only are we here, here in Longmont, Colorado, celebrating the glorious incarnation of God in Jesus, Emmanuel, but there is a whole world. There's a whole world from every tribe and nation and language and tongue that is celebrating along with us. A familiar story had taken on new meaning, new perspective, new colors because of language. And I think we can go through times in our lives as Christians in our Christian walk where it can seem mundane. You know, we all go through those times where the gospel story can become maybe a bit too familiar, where our world becomes a bit black and white. Our, our worship can become one-dimensional. Our church experience can also become ritual. You know, the colors and the depths and the dimensions are missing. We, we come to church, we sit in the same chair, we go through the motions, we talk to the same people, and we leave and we move on to the next routine in our lives. We are people of routine, of course. We like routine. Routine is good. We like it. 
Routine brings comfort to us, but it can also lead us to missing out on all the color that God wants to introduce to our lives. And, you know, diving into words and meanings has a way of opening up our eyes to all that God has for us as we respond to the worship of the revelation of all God was and is and is to come. And maybe it can help us break that routine and bring color back into the familiar. This is one of my favorite quotes, and I've been so surprised how it seems to kind of pop up every time I'm thinking on the Bible, I'm thinking about God, I'm, you know, even thinking about current events. It's from theologian David Peterson. He wrote a book called Engaging with God. And he he says this defining words is important because not only do we use words, but words use us. That's true, even if we're unaware of it. Once we assign meaning to a word, it both reflects and shapes our worldview. Once we assign meaning to a word, it both reflects and shapes our worldview. And this can be very true for our study today. This morning, we're going to look at the seven most common Hebrew words used for praise in the Bible. The seven most common Hebrew words used for praise in the Bible. Did you know that there was more than one word used for praise in your Bible? So if you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is going to be Out of the Depths of My Heart, a look at the emotion of praise and worship. There are 58 words actually used in the Bible in the context of praise and worship, 58 Hebrew words. In the English language, we also have, we have actually quite a few words that are available to us in the context of praise and worship, but the ones we tend to kind of gravitate towards are those, praise and worship. And they become, kind of become the norm, the ones we kind of use when we refer to this thing that happens on Sunday mornings. You know, praise and worship has kind of taken on this broad meaning, encompassing, you know, a large spectrum of ideas. And doing so can sometimes feel that it's kind of almost lost its meaning, you know. So many times as a a guest worship leader at a conference, or I've been invited as a guest to a church, you know, they'll, they'll ask me, hey, can you sing a couple, can you start with a couple praise songs and then, you know, then do a couple worship songs? You know, the implication, meaning the praise songs are kind of the upbeat, fast songs, you know, to get people going and revved up. And the worship songs are kind of the slow, the deep feeling, you know, the deep, meaningful songs. And of course, there is some precedent, you know, that didn't come out of nowhere, that particular thought. That precedent actually comes from Psalm 95. Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Oh, come, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And then the psalmist goes on in verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. But you know, the, in recent years, it, it seems that we've kind of even just stopped using the word praise. You know, and it just, well, we're just going to settle on the word worship. Let's, you know, why use two words when you can only use one, you know? We're just going to use the word worship to meet all our definition needs in regards to what happens here on Sunday mornings or even in our personal lives. You know, the, this is the worship service or the, the time of worship or the, the worship songs or my favorite worship CD or my favorite worship radio station or whatever it may be. So... So let's dive into the study and see if the Word of God will add some color to our private and our public response to the revelation 
of his character in our lives. Because if we believe, if we believe this morning that the word of God is truly active and living, then we should expect, we should expect that the fruit of, being, of that being worked out in our lives is going to mold us. It's going to stretch us for sure. And it's going to lead us to worship with all of our body, soul, and spirit, the finite responding to the infinite. So our main points today are just going to be that, those seven Hebrew words for praise. Our main points are going to be those seven Hebrew words for praise. And the first word that we're going to look at this morning, the first Hebrew word for praise is Barak. Barak means to kneel down to bless God as an act of adoration, to kneel down to bless God as an act of adoration. Back there to uh, Psalm 95, verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Let us barak before the Lord our Maker. Why? Because He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. It is the act of the heart. It is the act of the body when we realize that in the present, that we are in the presence of greatness this morning. He is our God. He is our Maker, and we are just the sheep of His hand. We kneel Barak, make ourselves lower as a sign of respect to the one who is greater, immensely more powerful than us. As John the Baptist said, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, and I must decrease. But it's also a sign of adoration. He is our maker. He is our God, our shepherd, and we are his sheep. We see this posture, this idea of Barak throughout the ages as men and women have knelt before kings and queens. How much more for us this morning to kneel before our creator and savior out of admiration and adoration. In this way, we can bless God. Did you know that we can bless God? We always think of that idea of blessing as as God blessing us. Oh Lord, bless me. But we can bless God First Chronicles 29, 20. Then David said to all the assembly, bless the Lord your God, Barak, the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed Barak, the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. Now, I don't want to confuse this with the idea with, of giving thanks to God in worship. That's, that's completely different. That's going to be a different word that we're going to look at. This is a response to who God is to who God is and not what he has done for us. This is a response to the great I am. We see this in Job's declaration in Job 121. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed, Barak, be the name of the Lord. Here we see Job acknowledge, kneel before, bless God for his sovereignty, that he is the great I am. This posture reminds me of that verse in Ecclesiastes 5, 2. It goes, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. In the presence of greatness, bowing to the great I am. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. The next Hebrew word, the next Hebrew word for praise that we look at is yadar. Yadar is, is a verb with a root meaning, the extended hand to throw out the hands, to throw out the hands, therefore to worship with extended hands. And why would we throw out our hands and extend them and worship? Because 
We're thankful. We're grateful. Thank you, Lord. You know, Psalm 33, 2, give thanks, yada, to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Some of your translations would say, praise the Lord with the lyre, or praise the Lord with the harp. Give thanks with extended hands. Throw out your hands and praise. It's not a passive word at all. It's not a passive word. It implies action. It's like, you know, if you can picture in your mind a child receiving a gift. They throw out their arms to receive the gift with the, with the you know, thanksgiving on their lips. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. They don't have hands in the pockets. Their hands are out there. Thank you so much. You know, you're not, they're not embarrassed. You know, any shame is swallowed up in thanksgiving. You know, maybe you received some good news on the phone or, you know, a deal went through or maybe someone was found safe or, or an important prayer was answered. And you're like, yes, you know, or yes. So you got the phone on. You're like, yes, you know, something like that. Whatever hand is free, it's, it's out there. It's spontaneous, right? It's spontaneous. This is the idea. The hands to shoot out, to shoot out. It's spontaneous, you know, okay, well, let's just get down to the normal day, day life. You know, you're Sunday, you know, you're watching your favorite team scores a touchdown or hits a home run or hits that buzzer beater to win the game. You know, you throw out your hands. You know, the, the anticipation is the ball's in the air and then they caught, the hands go up. Yes, the win, it's overtime, we've done it. Yes, this is the nature of this word. Yada, to throw out, to extend the hands in this way. First Chronicles 16, 34, oh, give Thanks to the Lord, Yadar, for his, he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever, just like we sang this morning. Psalm 107, 15, let them thank the Lord for his, for his steadfast love, Yadar, for his wondrous works to the children of man. You know, whenever we used to get to the, the fourth verse of that wonderful song, that song in Christ alone, I know many of you know it, and the, the fourth verse starts like this. It goes, no guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. And one of the pastors in the church I used to serve, and he would always stand there on the, on the front row. And whenever we got to that part, he would always throw out his arms like this. And sometimes he would start to cry. Because the gospel, those life-saving words, they meant so much. So much to him. There was no guilt in this life. There was no fear in death for him. And Jesus, he had been set free from certain death, and he had been saved from a life that most likely would have killed him. This objective truth that he was singing, it caused an emotion that came from the depths of his heart, which resulted in this honest expression to God, thank you, Lord, thank you. You know, this past year and a half, we started singing a song called Christ Our Hope and Life and Death. It's become one of my favorites. I love singing the song. And there's a line in the second verse that always brings thankfulness to my heart, Yadar. And it goes like this, and these are, these are all rhetorical questions. It goes, who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Now there, I'm sure you know, have been many waves these past few months. There, there have been many. And I'm sure some of you felt like you were drowning in those waves. But there's one thing that I've been so thankful for for these past few months. So thankful for, and that is the place of refuge that we have in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all the questions in that verse. He is the one who holds our faith. 
He is the one who stands above the stormy trial. He sends the waves that bring us back to him. And I'm so thankful that he, Jesus, is our hope in life and death. So next time, you know, when we get to a line in a verse or, or a chorus that really ministers to your heart and you feel that sense of thanksgiving welling up in your heart, throw out those hands in worship. Don't go hitting the person in front of you. Just throw out your hands in worship. Let that emotion just result in spontaneous and honest expression before, before the Lord. Just try it. Let that, maybe that embarrassment or that shame be, be, or that perception of what others might think, just be swallowed up in thanksgiving. Just, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever, forever. The next word for praise, the next Hebrew word for praise is todah. And you'll just have to forgive me if you're a Hebrew scholar in this room, and I mispronounce these. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I am trying. And uh, the next word for praise is todar. Todar comes the same principal root word as yodar, but is, is used more specifically. Todar literally means an extension of the hand in adoration or sacrifice or acceptance, bringing that sacrifice. More specifically, it means to give thanksgiving in songs of liturgical worship or hymns of praise for things not yet received for things not yet received. To give thanks in song with our hands raised for things that God will do. Bringing that sacrifice of praise and believing God for great things, for that answer to prayer, for that needed deliverance, that needed breakthrough in your life. God, God, I need you. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, todar, and perform your vows to the Most High. This is God speaking to us. He says, And call upon me, in verse 15, in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. God says, Bring your songs of praise in the midst of the congregation in thanksgiving, and I will deliver you. You shall glorify me. Isn't that an amazing promise that we need to hear from God today, that we can believe When you came to church today, when you walked through these doors, did you believe God for great things this morning? Did you believe that God was going to accomplish something this morning as we gather together in this church? As you raised your voices in songs of thanksgiving that God wanted, God wanted to answer your prayers this morning. God wants to. And I believe that this morning, if there is something that is weighing you down, there's questions on your heart that God does want you want to deliver you and bring salvation this morning. He is more than able. He is more than able. It's Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. That is a promise that you and I have this morning and an expectation that you can bring with you when you come here and gather together with the saints. It is an act of faith in the one who is able. Maybe just raising your hands and surrender is that act of faith, glorifying and blessing the one who can deliver you. But let me just make this clear. There's nothing spiritual about raising your hands. There's nothing spiritual about clapping your hands. There's nothing spiritual about dancing before the Lord or whatever it may be. It is the heart 
behind the action. That is the whole point of that Psalm 50 we just read from. That's the whole point. God is telling his people, he says, I don't need your sacrifice of bulls and goats. I want your heart. I want you. That is what God is saying. Psalm 50, verse 23. The one who offers thanksgiving, Todah, as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Bringing that sacrifice to glorify God. God says, I don't need your ritual. I need your heart. But interesting, though, hands raised is also kind of the universal sign of surrender, right? Sometimes it's surrendering against our will. Like, I give up. I give up. And sometimes we just have to say that, Lord, I give up. Your will be done. I surrender. I surrender to you. I will, I will glorify your name and wait in faith for your deliverance. You know, what does a child do when it wants to be picked up by its father or picked up by its mother? It raises its hands. It says, pick me up. Pick me up. I need you. You know, maybe you just need to raise your hands, whether it's here in the congregation or in the privacy of your own prayer closet and say, Lord, I need you. Pick me up. Pick me up. I don't know how many times I've, you know, gotten down on my knees, Barak, you know, the word we looked at in the beginning, prayer to the Lord. And that, you know, that physical posture, it changed my heart posture. It changed my heart posture. Now, one more important note before we move on to the next word. Both this word, yadar and todar, they have the idea of confession connected to the definition. Confession. Joshua 17, 19, then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise, that's that word, todar, confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Give praise to him, todar. This is a, you know, there's a phrase that's, often overused in the church today, and that's authentic worship. You know, everything's about authentic worship. It's stamped on every worship CD. This is truly authentic worship. This concert is authentic worship, or our church has authentic worship. And I think it's, I think it's overused because it's, it's kind of biblical in a sense. It's God is looking for authentic worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth, as John chapter 4 tells us. We want to be honest with ourselves and with God in our worship. You know, if you're singing, I surrender all, and you feel like you're lying because you're not surrendering all, well, then maybe you have to stop. You need to stop and say, God, I, you need to get honest with the Lord and have that conversation. Lord, I'm not surrendering all right now. I'm singing it, but I'm not, I know I'm not surrendered, but I want to. Lord, help me. I surrender. I give up. I can't do it in my strength. Lord, help me. Raise your hands and surrender and ask for help. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble there in Psalm 50, verse 15, and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The next word, the next Hebrew word for praise is zomar. Zomar. Zomar means literally to touch the strings, to touch the strings. And it's used in the context of instrumental worship, a a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of praise with musical instruments. This is one of the most prolific Hebrew words used for praise in our our Bible. You know, Ali was, he was touching the strings this morning as he was leading us in worship. He was zomaring, you know, as he led us in worship this morning. Uh, Psalm 21, 13, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise zomar, your power. 
We will praise your power with our instruments. Psalm 108.1, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody, Zamar, with all my being. I'm going to sing and I'm going to play on my instrument to you with all of my being, with all of my strength, with all that I am. Psalm 57.9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, among the people here in the congregation. And I will sing praises, Omar, to you among the nations. The missional idea of that verse, it's amazing. That our worship can go among the nations and represent the glory of God. Among the nations, I'm going to play my instrument to the nations. I wonder if, you know, some of those great composers like Bach and, and Handel and, and Haydn, you know, it gave us such beautiful music. If they were inspired, you know, they were inspired by their faith. They were inspired by the glory of God. I wonder if they thought or pondered on some of these thoughts when they were writing those beautiful melody, melodies that we love. I remember my wife and I went and saw St. Matthew's Passion once at, at the Opera House in Budapest, and that was composed by Bach. And there is this melody line that reoccurs throughout the piece. It's a two-and-a-half-hour piece. And we sing that hymn, Oh, Sacred Head Now Wounded, to, to that particular melody. But every time that theme was performed, my, my wife would start to cry. Monica would start to cry. And it almost brought me to tears as well. It's so beautiful. And my heart was just filled with, with gratefulness and thankfulness for the passion of Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he is now in victory, seated at the right hand of God. Now, one interesting aspect of this type of instrumental praise is the idea of prophecy the word going forth, that as the music and the melody is played, God can speak to your heart. God can be speaking words of encouragement to your heart. You know, maybe it's an instrumental break, you know, during, during the song when you can ponder the words that you just sang, you know, kind of like a Selah moment, you know, in the Psalms, I'm sure you've seen that many times there. At the end of the Psalm, it says Selah. You know what it means? It just means that, to pause, to ponder, to take a break. You know, when we praise, praise the Lord in the essence of Zomar, we can, we can pause and we can, you know, ponder or maybe even spontaneously respond to what we have just sung. You know, in a lot of uh, black gospel churches, they have they, what they call the praise break many times and where the band just kind of goes off and, and the congregation responds with clapping and dancing, rejoicing and in a spontaneous way, just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You hear them yelling out, you know, that's, that's the idea of Zomar as well. But, you know, next time maybe you, you know, there's an instrumental break in the song, you know, maybe the saxophone is playing and and, uh, and the piano is playing or something like that. Maybe take some time during that break just to think on the words that you just sang. That's the idea. Let God speak to you through and in that moment. Offer thanksgiving in your heart. Or maybe there's a sense of conviction. Maybe, you know, as I spoke up before, you know, you not surrendering and you just saying, I surrender all. And you've got to deal with that with the Lord. And you, you need to get it right and be honest with God. Confession, as we looked at. Psalm 57, 9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises on my instrument to you among the nations. So the next two words that we're going to look at, are they're going to introduce us kind of to the, 
the more charismatic, more expressive side of the Christian expressive spectrum, as I have uh, dubbed it. Uh, we're kind of moving from the more conservative, subdued side, and we're kind of headed towards the more Pentecostal, charismatic side of the spectrum. Though I think for some of you, the idea of raising your hands is like super over-the-top charismatic already. So, you know, you're like, I'm out the door when we get to these two. It's like, no way. But uh, the next word is the next Hebrew word uh, that we're going to look at is called Shabbat. Shabbat. And you got to say it like you had too much dairy in the morning. Shabbat. You know, it comes up there. Feel sorry if you guys on the front row. Sorry. And it means to address. It means to address in a loud tone, to commend, to boast in, to triumph, to exclaim, to glory, to shout. This word Shabbat. Yeah, there we go. Shout. This is not a quiet word. This is not a quiet. We don't go Shabbat. We go, Shabbat, you know, it's out there. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. In Psalm 147, 12, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Shabbat. Psalm 145, 4, one generation shall commend, there's that word, Shabbat, your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts in not a quiet way either. Psalm 117, 1, praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him. That's the word Shabbat. Extol him, all all peoples. It's a, this kind of praise, it's like a battle cry. It's like a battle cry. I guess you could, you could express this kind of praise of God in private, but this is the kind of praise that was meant for a congregation as they shout in unison, in victory, as Jesus, our victor, stands in our midst. I've been to a few meetings over the years and a few stadiums where there, there was a lot of Shabbat going on as people would just praise the Lord. You know, and there was chanting going on and, you know, all those kind of things. It was, it, was, it, was, it was super exciting. That unified voice of a congregation shouting in victory, shouting the name of Jesus, shouting the victory that we have in him. In a similar way to Yada, this kind of praise is responding to, is responding to God, the great I am, boasting in his victory, boasting in his nature and his attributes as our as our hero, the hero of our stories. You know, like that star basketball player or maybe that football player, they get hurt, you know, and then they go into the locker room and then when they return, there's this loud cheer that goes up in the stadium, right? There's a loud cheer that goes up in the crowd because their hero is back to come and win the game for them. You know, this Shabbat goes up in the stadium. I'm sure there was a loud Shabbat in heaven when Jesus rose from the dead and conquered sin and death. And we can join and have joined in that great triumph. And we can declare it to the next generation. But you know, there's an interesting aspect to this word. That is, it, it also means to soothe or to be carefree. It's quite surprising. You know, this kind of super expressive word also means to soothe or to be carefree. Psalm 89.9. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you shabach them. You still them. You still them. The same word. You know, we sing that hymn, Be still my soul, the Lord is on my side. Be still my soul, the Lord is on my side. My soul is at rest because the victory has already been won. Just like that star player running back on the field, there's a sense of relief. He's back. You know, we've got this. We can, we can actually win this game. You know, the gospel message can give us that peace. Give us that peace because Jesus has brought that peace and he is our peace. That's something to certainly shout about. Shout in victory 
about. It's such a paradox. It's a holy paradox. Psalm 63.3, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. They will shabach you. Something that David was very excited about. The sixth Hebrew word for praise that we're going to look at is halal. Halal. Halal is the primary Hebrew word for praise that, you, that the, the, the Jewish people use. Our, our word hallelujah comes from this base. Praise be to God. That's what hallelujah means. It means to, to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. This is the definition of the word halal. This is kind of the, the most Pentecostal or charismatic on that Christian expression spectrum, as you will. But the, I think the greatest example of this type of praise is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6, when David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And it said there, he was leaping and dancing in the presence of the Lord and celebration before the Lord. His w- wife, of course, was not too pleased with all of this. She's like, this kind of behavior, this is way below the stature of a king. And David told her, I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm celebrating before the Lord. And he was acting out this definition of praise, this, this word for praise. He was, he was raving. He was boasting. He was celebrating in a clamorously foolish way. Now, what if we read, let's read Psalm 150 one more time. Let's read Psalm 150 one more time. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his, heavy, in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. I always find that interesting how they had to step up with that. Like The first part is like sounding cymbals. Like, no. Loud clashing cymbals, like you really need to make sure you got the idea. Let everything that has the breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Every one of those praises is halal. All those praises are the Hebrew word for halal. Doesn't that kind of expand the meaning of the psalm for you? It makes it very loud is what it does. It's a very loud psalm, you know. It comes alive. That word praise there has so much energy in it. You know, I've purposely now put these six words that we've looked at of praise, I put them in their order of expressiveness, you know, more, and, uh, you know, more specifically in their order of physical expressiveness. Now, we may never see the expression of halal played out here on a Sunday morning, you know, with people acting clamorously foolish, but, you know, who knows what God will do in the future, you know. I'm not going to put a box on that one, but I hope you have, you know, seen, though, that there's, there is, a per, there, we've seen that's progressed through these words. We've seen, you know, as we have progress these through these where we've seen a place we've seen a different definitely a place for a biblical place a, a biblical mandated place for a physical expression in our worship but we also have the bible right the word of god is a guide for how we are to act and conduct ourselves in a church setting as first corinthians fourteen forty says all things should be done in decent should be done decently and in order we can see, but we can see that there is a cross-section of our emotional expression in our everyday life and that expression here on Sunday mornings. You know, that emotional experience in the idea of halal, that celebratory praise that we read here, it's based on gospel truth. It's based on gospel truth. The subjective nature of our emotions are wrapped up in the objective truth 
of God himself. Let me say that again. The subjective nature of our emotions are wrapped up in the objective truth of God himself. This is biblical, true biblical worship in all its multicolored facets that allow us to respond to God in the way that he created us with all the personalities and the temperaments that are here represented in this room. And that, that might stretch some of you. That might stretch some of you. This study might have set some of you free, though, to be more expressive in your worship. And I encourage you to, to ponder some of these definitions this week. Think on these things. You know, we're all affected by perception, culture, you know, background, peer pressure. But we can clearly see that the emotions of life can cross paths with our emotions in church. Psalm 34, 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. That word boast is, is halal. Now, the seventh and final word that we're going to look at, the seventh and final Hebrew word for praise is tahila. Tahila. This word simply means to sing, to boast in, or to adore. More specifically, it could be translated as a song of praise. Psalm 66, 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Or that, that second phrase there could be the, let the sound of our songs of praise be heard. What is so fascinating about this Hebrew word is that for praise, this Hebrew word of praise is that this is the kind of praise that the Bible said that God dwells in. That God dwells in, that he inhabits. Psalm 22, 3. You are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. You are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Some of your translations might say inhabit the praises of Israel or dwell in the praises of Israel. There's something unique and special and even powerful when the people of God gather as the body of Christ and lift up a song of praise, Tahila, to the Lord. Jesus said that when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, can you worship in the privacy of your home? Yes, and you probably should be worshiping in the privacy of your home. Or alone in your car? Yes. People watching you go by and you're like doing a halal there behind the wheel, you know, but keep your hands on the wheel. You know, go for it. There's, but there's something powerful about the church, you know, united in one voice around the truth of the gospel and then singing about that, declaring that in one voice. It builds our faith. It does. It gives us courage. It, it unites us with fellow believers and believing that God is a God that saves. Today, today, God is a God that saves. God is enthroned in that kind of praise. He inhabits that kind of praise. God says, that is the kind of, that's where I want to be. That is where I want to be. And I, I read all the verses. I read all the verses this week associated with this definition of praise and, and the, this, this Hebrew word, Tehillah. And I, I realized that this song of praise, it was a specific song. It's a specific song that this word is referring to. It's a song of testimony. It's a song of testimony. Each of us has a song of testimony of how God has saved us. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. There's that word, tahila, to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Do you know why this kind of praise is special? The kind of praise that God inhabits 
is enthroned upon because there is something powerful about a room full of people who each have a testimony of how God drew them out of the pit of destruction, out of that miry bog and set your feet upon a rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. Each of us, each of us has that new song in our mouth this morning, a a testimony to the greatness of God. The testimony of his faithfulness will draw others then to put their trust in Jesus because you and I, You and I, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the fragrance of Christ to a dying world. And when we gather here as a church, as a united body, we are strengthened in the breaking of bread and worship in the word and fellowship to be witnesses for his glory. You know, praise and worship is not as much about physical expression and maybe the loudness of singing as much as it is about a people that are surrendered to the purposes and the promises of God that are made available to us this morning through the work of Jesus on the cross who paid our penalty and gave us, gave us a reason to sing and to shout and to raise our hands to him, to give expression to all that flows from the depths of our heart. He is my reason to sing. He is, Jesus is my song. I hope he is yours this morning as well. Psalm 63, 3, we know he was David's song. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Let's pray. You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com.